Good morning, Renew Church. Uh, most of you don't know who I am, so I'm going to take a little bit of time to introduce myself. My name is Sean Kaiser, uh, and Jamie asked me to speak today basically so he could have a break. So I'm the person giving your pastor a break while he's out of town this morning. <laughs> oh yeah, you, can, uh, you don't need to applaud me. You can also applaud him. He's a great guy. Um, we know Jamie, my wife and I know him uh, through some mutual friends and colleagues of ours. So I work with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, um, and so does my wife too. And so we are good friends with uh, Adam Christian and Amy Fredman, now Staley. They're actually former supervisors of ours too. Um, and so we know them really well. We've known them since we ourselves were in college. I'm a, an alumni of UW-Eau Claire, so I've been in the area for a while. And it's really a pleasure to be able to be here this morning speaking to all of you. Um, so I, up until recently, have been uh, the staff lead for the UWC chapter. Um, and so throughout the year, especially not during the summer, you might see students coming here, and at least some of those are from Manor Varsity. Uh, but recently, my wife and I actually accepted positions which are basically Adam's old job. So we're area directors supervising uh, the work on campuses around the Chippewa Valley, places like Menominee, Eau Claire, uh, River Falls, Rice Lake. So it's an exciting new thing for us. And you might remember what Adam did, and that's basically what we're doing too. Um, so anyway, it's a, a joy to be able to be here this morning. Like we've already said, happy Father's Day, especially to all of the dads uh, that are in the congregation today. Uh, today on Father's Day, I'm grateful for my own dad. There's so many ways that he's been a good father for me. Uh, and one, one thing in particular that I've always loved about him is the level of intentionality that he displayed in spending time with my two brothers and I. So I'm the middle child. I have an older brother and a younger brother. You can psychoanalyze that however you would like to. But anyway, my dad was intentional with us. He would carve out time to spend with us on pretty much a daily uh, basis. And then over the weekends, one of my fondest memories is that he would take us for bike rides and we would go to the nearby playground and we would just play on the playground equipment. But my dad wouldn't just watch as we were playing. He would join in with us. And one of our favorite games was playing on the jungle gym that was there, pretending that it was a giant ship and we were like defending from pirates or something like that. And my dad, like I said, wasn't watching us. He was jumping around on the jungle gym with us, pretending that we were defending against pirates. And he must have looked pretty funny, um, although I think kids do give you a good excuse to look silly. Uh, but I always loved that he would join in what, with what we were doing. He would celebrate our imaginations. He would play our crazy games with us as we were kids. And because my dad displayed that level of intentionality and that sense of fun, it actually helps me to believe that God the Father is the same way. The, the reason why I'm sharing this story is because part of what I want to talk about today is God the Father, and I think that our own fathers, our own authority figures, and the way that our culture talks about fatherhood all of these things influence and impact how we view God as our Father. And so that can happen in really good ways. Like I said, uh, because I saw my dad's intentionality, it's easier for me to see God's intentionality. But it can also work the other way too. 
the ways that our fathers or our authority figures or the way that our culture talks about fatherhood can be imperfect. They can be broken at times. And these two can influence our image of God the Father. My dad was a wonderful dad. He's the best that I could want or hope for. But he wasn't perfect, just like I'm not perfect, just like we aren't perfect. And those kinds of things can also influence our view of authority or fatherhood especially. Which leads me to a question that I have for all of you to be reflecting on as I'm talking this morning. What do you think of fatherhood when you hear that word come to mind? What images or emotions or thoughts, what does fatherhood look like to you? The reason why I'm asking this is because of what I've been saying all along. Our image of fatherhood influences how we view God as our father. So for this reason, and because it's Father's Day today, I thought it would be helpful to choose scripture that just talks about God the Father and displays who he is to us. Also, Pastor Jamie had mentioned to me recently that you've been learning about the Trinity, specifically about the role of the Spirit, and so I thought it would be fitting to spend time talking about God the Father today. So what is your image of fatherhood? What do you think about when you think about God the Father? And really importantly, what does scripture have to say about God the Father? I'm going to have us take a look at a couple of different passages today that can help us kind of dip our toes into this really deep water. Uh, So even today's message is just going to skim the surface. And so we're going to look at a passage from John. We're going to look at a passage from Romans 8. Um, So let's jump in. We're starting with a conversation that Jesus was having with his disciples shortly before he died and rose again. He was preparing them for this, and he was explaining a lot of different things for them. And so if you would like to have your own copy open, we're looking at John 14, starting in verse 9, but it'll also be up on the screen too. So I'm going to read it out loud for us and then talk a little bit about what's going on in this passage. So Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. So here, we see the disciples a little bit confused about just what the Father is like. Jesus has been trying to point to them, point them to the Father. He actually does this many times throughout the book of John. And so he's trying to point them to the Father, and they're, they're kind of confused, and so they're asking, well, Jesus, just show us who the Father is. And I resonate with this. I don't know if you resonate with this. For me, Jesus is a lot easier of a person to picture. He was human. We have the recorded words of the Gospels. Um, even though I believe in God the Father, it's a little bit harder for me to picture the Father and what he looks like. And if I'm being totally honest, sometimes I still have that really um, childhood image of kind of like a nice elderly man, maybe with glasses sitting in a rocking chair. I don't know if any of you share that image. You might have a totally different image of what the Father is like. But either way, sometimes it's hard for me to picture him. But what Jesus is saying here is that he himself is the image of the Father, Jesus says he is in the Father and the Father is in him. This message that he's been speaking about is directly from the Father. He's doing the Father's work. 
And this is amazing for me. I think it's amazing for us that we can have such a visible representation of what the Father is like simply through Jesus. Jesus is saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. They're so closely identified with each other that by knowing Jesus, we also know the Father. And this is so important to know. Can you imagine if Jesus came but claimed that the Father was totally different? Like if he said, I'm here, but my Father in heaven is this totally other person, that would be so confusing. It would make me doubt that Jesus was authentic or that he could actually reconcile us to God. But because they are so close, because they are in each other, by knowing Jesus, we can know the Father. A couple of verses earlier than this passage, Jesus says that really famous line about being the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through him. And it's because of this, because Jesus is the image of the Father, the exact representation of the Father, the Father's love, his goals, his character. This makes the Father so much more accessible to me and I think to us. And for all of us in the times when our image of God might become distorted in some way, or that we might start believing false things about him, or feel even afraid of him, it can help so much that we can look straight to Jesus and his example in the Gospels to know just what the Father is like, that he has the same heart, the same love. So now I want to dive more deeply into what this love looks like, to what this relationship is with our Heavenly Father. So we're going to move now to Romans 8, and again I'm going to read this passage out loud for us. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. One of the coolest, I think, one of the most beautiful ways to understand what it means to be a Christian is in this theme of adoption talked about here in Romans. Paul says here in Romans that as we follow Jesus, as we receive the Spirit, uh, that we are adopted into God's family. We become children of God. This passage is contrasting this with an image of slavery, uh, saying that being in the family of God, it's not a relationship that is forced or imprisoning. It's a relationship that is loving and freeing. Some of you might have heard and recognized the word Abba, especially. You might have heard a message about what this word means um, and why it's being specifically used here, because it has a lot to say about the tone of this relationship with our Heavenly Father. The word Abba was an Aramaic, uh, kind of in the family of languages of Hebrew, one of the spoken languages of the Jewish people. Uh, it, It basically just meant dad. It was as informal as the word dad is for us. It was affectionate. It was even intimate. And so when Paul says that by the Spirit we cry, Abba, Father, he's saying that our relationship with the Father is not distant or cold or impersonal. It's close. It's affectionate. It's intimate. 
The passage then goes on to say that as we become children of God, we also become heirs in the family of God, heirs alongside of Jesus, the firstborn. So this isn't just any family. This is a royal family. This is the family of a king with an inheritance that's bigger than any other family with a father that's the embodiment of love. This is so incredible that if I'm being honest, I find it hard to believe. Like I can, I can intellectually say that I believe I'm in the family of God, but when it matches up against my everyday life and the worries and the troubles that come along, it's actually quite hard for me to understand that I'm actually brought into this family relationship with God himself. We become a family with God as our father and Jesus somehow as our elder sibling. I do want to point out here that Paul does talk about sharing and suffering. The reason why he says this is because even though this is the greatest family on earth, there's something really wrong, really twisted with the world around us. That's the reason why being in the family of God is so costly in the first place. Costly to God through Jesus' sacrifice and suffering and death. And so here Paul is indicating that, yes, this is the best family in the world, but because of the problem of sin and evil in the world, it's not always going to be easy. There will be suffering. But the difference here is that it's not just suffering. It's suffering with a hope, with a hope that can help us persevere, with a hope that says that at the end of the day, it will be worth it, that we will receive this inheritance. The last passage that I want to cover comes at the end of Romans 8. So Paul moves on to encourage the believers that he's talking to in their suffering, in their hardship, uh, by saying even uh, some of the things that I think make up one of the beautiful, most beautiful passages of uh, God's love in the Bible. So in verse 31, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus Christ who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow, (laughs) I don't know what else to do other than just to list the things that were already mentioned in that passage. Things like, if God is for us, who can be against us? That he loved us so much that he did not withhold his own son from us, so why wouldn't he give us everything else as well? That we are saved from condemnation through Jesus, that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. That we are more than conquerors because Jesus already won this fight. That nothing in creation, nothing can separate us from the love of God.
It is. It's pretty phenomenal. Again, it's so incredible that it's hard for me to grasp and believe. To bring it all together, we learn from John that we can know what the Father is like through Jesus, that Jesus himself is our best example for the Father, that by choosing the way of Jesus, we become a part of the family of God. God becomes our dad, our Abba. What this means is that we are incomparably loved, that even in the suffering of life, and especially in the suffering that comes as we try to obey Jesus, that we are loved and cherished, and that God is generous to us. And that we have an inheritance coming, that as we persevere and follow Jesus, that we will somehow share in the glory of God. And in the meantime, we have the Spirit right with us, helping us. We have Jesus at the hand of the Father, interceding for us. And we have the Father himself guiding us and loving us. This Father's Day, I think that it's a fitting thing to, to honor the Father, uh, to, to kind of stay in reflection, um, even as we honor our human fathers this week. And so as we close for today, I have a couple of invitations for you coming off of these passages. My first invitation for you is simply to spend time reflecting and journaling. How do you view God the Father? And how does that influence what you believe about him? The reason why I think that's so important is because of what I've been saying even as we've been talking. It's hard for me to sometimes believe that these things that we are promised are, are even true, like in the day-to-day life. And I think that the best way that I've come to believe about God is by taking steps to ask myself, to reflect, how do I believe this is true? How do I not believe this is true? I also think it's true that, like we were saying earlier, our images of the Father can be very positively influenced by our own authority figures, but I also think that they can be negatively influenced too. And so one really healthy, redemptive thing we can do is spend time thinking about just who the Father is, what he means to us. How is he the same? Uh, How is he the same representation as the people that we've known? How might he be different? How might his love be something totally beyond anything that we've experienced? So I invite you to spend time reflecting and journaling. How do you view God the Father? How does that influence what you believe about him? My second invitation for you is simply just in the spirit of this day that as we're honoring our fathers, uh, to do something that honors our Heavenly Father, God the Father, this week. What's a specific thing that you can do that would please him or that would bring him praise in some way? Maybe it would be as simple as spending time in gratefulness, thanking him for the ways that he has loved or provided for you. Maybe it means carving out a little bit more time to spend time with him this week. Maybe it's worshiping him in some way or serving him with some concrete action. Let's take this time, even as we honor our human fathers, to honor our heavenly father as well, to bring him praise as the father who established every other family. I invite you to close with me in prayer before we head into uh, some closing worship. 
God, thank you that we are brought into your family, um, that not only did you create us, but you also redeem us, and you reconcile us with you. And not only that, but you transform us so that we don't stay caught in the broken patterns of our lives, but that we become uh, more whole and more free. Lord, I know that at times it can seem like you're very close and at times it can feel like you're far away. And so I pray on behalf of myself and everyone here that this week that you would show yourself to us as a loving father, that you would provide for us beyond what we may think or believe of you. And at the same time, I pray that you would help us reciprocate with you too, that we would love you as our father, as our heavenly dad. I pray this in your name. Amen.